you think Formula One would be more interesting if half the cars had to go the other way on the track? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Is> there, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. I thought, like, how do you? Do you know this idea of? <laughs> do you know this idea of the Olympics should have a normal person also partake in all the events? Yeah, because you know we, we get it's to perspective. See, yeah, yeah, you get to see how good a hundred meter runner is if I had yeah. to do it beside them. There's a game, a computer game, um, released in 1999 called Unreal Tournament. Yeah. There's been a few versions of it over the years, but in my opinion, the best one is the first one. But the whole premise of Unreal Tournament is that it's this super, super um, distant future where there was all these like um, deep space mining organizations that set up colonies on outer worlds and asteroids and stuff and millions of people pumped out there to mine minerals and stuff and like to you know, violence was just so common and miners killing each other and no, no law and order. But some um, company came up with these devices called respawners so that when someone died, <clears throat> you could instantly just respawn them and bring them back to life and, you know, to kind of maintain the workforce. And then they realized that they could use these things and these miners and people that obviously wanted to fight. yeah. And, and create this kind of combat sport out of it that becomes this multi, multi-trillion like dollar business franchise, this unreal tournament where these people fight in these kind of arenas and stuff um, with guns and, and, and blowing each other to bits and they're respawned <laughs> and it's, you know, so it's it's clever because it's, it's made... Um, it's made like it's put lore and and reasoning behind just the kind of the classic deathmatch first yeah. shooting game tactic. But wouldn't it be unbelievable <laughs> if those devices were actually real? Because then we could have Formula One where everything it goes, goes the, other the opposite direction. way, or you know, can trapeze at the Olympics with no safety net splat. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just oh my God, every every sport would just become a whole lot more interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. wow. Uh, you know, imagine, actually, imagine giving the whole, uh, you know crowd imagine just like a manchester derby or something and giving both crowds just like petrol bombs and knives <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just can you score down you go. a goal if we start a civil war behind you it'd be a real question <laughs> then like you yeah know. mayhem but uh, it'd make for some seriously interesting viewing though no uh, we have lost the run quinner how are you are we re- we're recording, lads? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, this is this is great this, stuff. Well, I had a great this intro, is lads. But, you know, this is brilliant content. You know, I think uh, I think we're done here. Uh, um, just to uh, tell the listeners, we have a very special guest coming up later on, Mr. Tavi Callahan, and uh, I guess let's uh, let's let's see the big question for our listeners this week, lads. Is did me all actually get on the streets this week? Oh God. Was that where I was supposed to have Mihal on the streets ready? Do you was not it? have it, no? I don't have it ready. <laughs> My God, it's, that's what, 30 seconds into the episode. We usually have a bit more of a chat. Talking to your average Joes, a random question he will pose. What he'll ask, one never knows. What's your favorite movie? Savory or fruity? Do you like a sushi? Oh, it's Mihal on the. My lads, what's the crack? Streets. Oh. I'm going to paint the picture this week. We turned up. At half ten this morning in Dublin, got a bus out to County Meath, and now we're at Slane Castle about to see Harry Styles in about a half an hour. Uh, wet leg, inhaler, Annie Mac have opened, 
The atmosphere is unbelievable. And I asked the people here who they think should play Slane Castle next summer. Here's what they said. Eminem. Unreal. <laughs> who do you think? Uh, Taylor, oh, Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> Harry again. It can't be Harry. It can't be Harry. Harry. Uh, my brother's band, the Pottingers. Where are they from? Belfast. And what kind of music do they play? Uh, what kind of music do you play now? Sexy music. Sexy music. <laughs> Who's the sexiest in the band? Nile Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> Is he your brother? Yeah. <laughs> Coldplay, 100%. Yes. 100% Coldplay. Britney Spears. Lady Gaga. Pink. Oh, yeah. Go on. Fred again. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd you say? Taylor Swift. Oh. oh yeah. One Direction reunion. I think I think Lizzo. <laughs> Lads, I'm sorry that I'm not with you today. I'm actually raging that I'm missing out on the interview with Tabby. But what I want to ask you from Michal in the streets is what slaying gigs have you been to before? Tell me all about them. And also, I want to know who you would love to see headline Slane Castle next year. It's such an iconic Irish venue. I think you're going to have a good answer. It's Michal on the streets. Wow. If uh, I mm. firstly look, are you happy with his location? This, uh, this month? You know, as the chief, as a chief. No, he's uh, in a field. It's not on the streets. <laughs> it, it, you know, look, I'll give him a break here uh, because he, at least he is outside. He's starting to work himself back okay, towards okay, where he should yeah. be. My what my initial uh, thing there was that <laughs> I was just thinking, like, if he's in a field with eighty thousand people. And this Michal on the streets is a good line of best fit average snapshot of the musical tastes of 80,000 people from this country. Then the whole country, the world's fucked. The whole thing is... <laughs> no, it, to be fair, uh, no. the group oh, that are going to be there. No, fuck. If you could have seen Luke's face <laughs> as one one artist after the next was mentioned that he did not agree with, that was just priceless. I just, my, ah, uh, like, Fred again. I like I watched them he they just headlined one of the evenings at Glastonbury. Yeah. And I watched clips of it. It's a man pushing play on Spotify and another fella shouting into a mic. Yeah. And uh, playing little bits on a keyboard which I would be prepared to put the house I don't own yet down on that that keyboard is a prop. <laughs> and all that shit is on the just the the MP3 that they're playing. Like they go I just do, I don't understand this mode of live performance and why people want to stand in front of it. Like, you can watch a band, you see people playing instruments and stuff, and I'm not taken away from, like, what somebody like Fred again does in a studio. Like, they have to go into a studio and create and mix these songs and come up with this, and that's fine, and they've created something that people obviously enjoy. But I just don't see the difference between... (laughs) anyone plugging in an iPod and pumping out Fred again at Glastonbury versus the man who sat on the computer in the studio being on the stage while they use an iPod to pump out Fred again. The only difference is that the guy who made it is on the stage, but he's not actually doing anything. So I here's my thing about DJs, right? And... Uh, like I understand uh, look I can't do it I can't sit in a studio and make a song so it's an art form and people love it the thing is this DJs and look I st- I, if, if I'm wrong on this get in touch with the show you can give me an example but it seems like DJs do that they, they kind of stand in the middle of a stage with a laptop somebody else does the lighting for them but 
like there's so much more you could do you know what the, you know exactly what the timing of the song is going to be you know exactly how things are going to go like if you look at a gorilla show or something like that where they do the massive like projections of these caricatures on and there's, there's a whole story that happens in their show yeah like DJs could get way more creative with their shows Re- they really could so yeah, every th- DJ out there they don't need to though because everybody <laughs> in front of them is drunk and has no music taste <laughs> 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 Quinner, have you been to Slane? I have, I have, twice actually uh, Once, definitely once for a gig And once then, like I went to U2 in 2001 Cool In Slane uh, And it was interesting I have an interesting relationship with U2 actually I, I grew up loving U2 mm-hmm. They're my favourite band Love the songs um, you know, really didn't necessarily love the people, or what well, that wasn't my relationship with them, but the songs. I don't know what it was about them, but you know, the Joshua Tree rattling home, Octung Baby, love those songs. But then, as I got into my sort of early early to mid twenties, I I I started to I don't know was it that I started to you know you know, feel a bit funny about Bono and some of the things he did. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, sure. Or was it that I sort of started to learn a little bit more about music and maybe didn't necessarily like some of the things that did musically? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it was, but I have a really interesting relationship because by the time I got to Slane in my, I was probably 21, 22. Yeah. It wasn't what it should have been for me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Sure. You I, had- was, I saw you two in 97 in Lansdowne Road, the night Princess Diana died. Their Pop Mart tour uh, And I love that I was in the thick of it And I was 17 years old And I was just In heaven mm. But I went to Slane And it was the biggest gig Of the summer that year And I had the tickets Bought months out And you know They had that whole it, the, the sun was just going down mm-hmm. And they did the Streets of No Name That oh, yeah. beautiful guitar intro Which was my like Favourite thing Growing up musically Sure And I just remember feeling I'm not into this. Yeah. It's oh, mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had, um, you'd thrown in the towel on your time as a U2 fan, so to speak. Luke, that is a great analogy. Yeah. Fair play to you. No problem. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. The yeah. smile on his yeah. face. That yeah. All. yeah. Yeah. I, I guess you could say, Luke, that I threw in, not maybe, not, not even one towel, but possibly two. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, that was my time at Slane. But then, actually, a few years later, uh, I was... I was staying at a house. It was a beautiful house. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, her sister had rented this house for a year. And uh, this was just down the river from Slane Castle. It's a beautiful house. And she was away. The sister was away. So myself and my girlfriend and like a load of friends went down and stayed in this house for a few days. And, you know, we... we, we, we exploring and walking, you know, and you follow the river and you knew Slane Castle was just, was just there. Class. Didn't, you couldn't get in though. The river was strategically, or the castle was obviously strategically built that the, the, the point where you needed to just go over and cross the next field and get there. Yeah. The river was there and you couldn't get across the river. Sure. But, but it was a great little adventure. We were an hour and a half, about an hour, an hour and a half walking down by the river saying, we're going to get there, we're going to get there. <laughs> and we didn't, but hey, it was a bit of crack. So that's my second time almost at Slane Castle. <laughs> yeah, but not quite. Not quite. So anyway, that's me. Um, yeah, we're getting sidetracked here a bit, are we? I Lads, have, have you either even to Slane? I have, uh, my answer 
for going to slain and who I'd like to see headline slain are the same thing. And let me explain. Let me explain about slain. So a couple of years ago, the Foo Fighters headlined a day-long festival, not unlike Harry Styles' thing, a day-long music and rock festival in Slane Castle, uh, of which they had some bands that I really loved were going to be there. But Foo Fighters, at the time, you know, even still so, but at the time were, without a doubt, my favourite rock band, absolutely loved them, had all their albums, knew every song. This was the gig that I had to be at. But by the time, I, I had no money at the time, and by the time I got the money together to buy a ticket, all the tickets were sold out. So I didn't book the time off work. But my best friend in the world, Wheeler, Wheeler, I don't know if he bought me a ticket or if he came across a ticket. And he called me and he was like, man, I have a ticket for you. And I was like, oh my God, no way. Have to run into, I was working in Alfie's barbershop and I ran into Alfie. I said, Alfie, I need the weekend off. And now in fairness to Alfie, Alfie would give you any time off that you needed if it was reasonable, right? Mm. But like five staff members had taken that weekend off and there was only like eight barbers. Mm. So if I had taken it off as well, there was no staff to run the shop on a busy Saturday. Mm. And I remember him looking at me and he seemed really disappointed in what he was going to have to say to me. But he said, Rory, I can't give you that off because there'd be no one to run the shop. And... uh, yeah, he just said, I'm really sorry. There's, there's not a whole pile I can do about it. So I had to call Wheeler back and I said, Wheeler. Uh, I wow. I said, Wheeler, I can't. Oh, what a gut punch. I, I can't go. I can't go to this gig that I really wanted to go to. I can't go. So the Saturday rolled around and I remember it as clear as day. Today FM, we're doing a full day long um, live on the road show, or live on the road show from Slane Castle, from that, from that gig. And uh, so I was listening to it, and after, in fairness to him, God bless him, but he says, we'll put it on the radio for your audience. Oh, yeah, I don't, the, that makes it worse. Uh, I don't know. That's, oh. that's, the, that's the same thing, all right? <laughs> so anyway, we put it on, and he turned it up a bit louder than we usually had the music. He was trying, to be fair. In I, fairness, I, I, yeah, 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 look, yeah. Look, I love Alfie the bits, but yeah. I was devastated. And I'm not joking, that Saturday, in all the years I worked in Alfie's, it was a mental busy shop. That Saturday, I think I did one haircut oh. on the, on the, in the whole day. And I remember at about lunchtime, Alfie saying, like, can you still go ah. to the gig? But at that stage, my ticket had been given to somebody else because I couldn't oh. go. Blah, blah. And uh, yeah, so I, I sat and I listened to Foo Fighters uh, headline slain from work. So it's in my answer to who do I think should headline <laughs> it next year. The Foo Fighters have just replaced their drummer after the mm-hmm. passing of Taylor Hawkins. They're back playing gigs that's who I think should headline it. So if somebody could get on to the Foo Fighters management and get them over here next year, I'd be delighted. I'll give them a call. I know the guy. Um, Thanks, like. Maitland's Barbershop in Cluny will, <laughs> will be closed. Be closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just if anyone is, you know, planning their haircuts year out, you might want to have a look at what date slain is happening <laughs> next year and just avoid that because Maitland's will be closed yeah, yeah, on yeah, that yeah, day. Yeah, 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 for sure. Luke? Mm, I, I've never been to Slane. I've never been. Uh, I'm very bad for going to gigs in general, considering how much I love music. Um, but no, I've never been to, to Slain. Um, in terms of who I'd like to see headlining, I don't know. Like, there's lots of... There's lots of I think uh, Lady Gaga, Britney Spears, <laughs> uh, Coldplay, they all got yeah, very positive they, uh, facial expressions from they you got, there. They got reactions, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mm, I mean, there are some answers that you could go for, like real classic bands that you might not have a a lot of time left to see the like of ACDC who I you know they've they've done Slaying before there's bands like that um 
But I'd like, yeah, I'd like to see, I'd like to see a, a younger kind of more, more current up and coming artist get a get a shout there and somebody who is David Guetta he'd be a fan no <laughs> no I wouldn't fair play to the man and all he's accomplished that I haven't but no not for me if I want to listen to David Guetta I'll, I'll put on my earbuds and go to Spotify I'm not paying 80 euro to stand and listen to Spotify playlist in field that's the thing about DJs as well actually sorry to cut across your answer but you know the sound in fields is crap yeah Right, so it's really more about just kind of being there and the event, saying them, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So actually, you're going to get a much better listening experience from putting in your earbuds and just listening to David Guetta's song yeah. while you go for a walk. Yeah, in fact, people, what I would recommend is if you do go and see David Guetta live, you just go on and stand in front of the stage and that's your experience and then pop in your earbuds and then just stick on a Spotify <laughs> playlist of David Guetta songs on shuffle and you'll have a much better experience because you'll get to see the man on the stage doing nothing and you can listen to really good quality audio at the same time. <coughs> There's Luke's, Luke's tip for this week. Oh, that's great. Um, uh, Luke's top tip. Um, so, no, I, I, do you know what? I'd love to see somebody like Sam Fender do it. Ah, that'd be cool. I'd love to see somebody like Sam Fender do it. Somebody that... There's not a lot of people that have been in the charts um, the last couple of years writing modern kind of stuff that resonates with me in any kind of a way. But he definitely got me his most recent album. There's some amazing songs on that there. Beyond the songs that that were big hits, the whole album has has lots of great songs on it, and his previous one did as well. Uh, yeah, I, if if he could he was, finish? Huh? Could he finish? I don't know. Right, but my guess would be yes. He's on the way up. I, I it might depend on what kind of a a support build you put under him. Yeah, but there's there's not a there's not a lot of whole people at the moment who 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 don't know seventeen going under and can't sing along to nearly that whole song. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I, I've played I play that at gigs in my set list, and it's one of the songs where I can see like the twenty two year old uh, girl over there singing along to that, and a fifty something year old man over in the other corner singing along yeah, to that. He sure. really seems to have kind of resonated with people because I, I think you know the, the, the young people look at him and they see ah he's cool and you know the girls are he's handsome and the songs are catchy and mm. but I think like the older kind of guys the. 50, 60 something year olds they look at him and they see a working class lad from kind of relatively poor upbringing in Newcastle who slogged his way up and is writing the songs and he's, he just goes out on the stage and he's just himself he sings in his Geordie accent and he just goes out with the guitar and he plays his songs and there's no there's no fuss there's no there's a great video of him online if anyone would check it out he meets Alan Shearer Oh yeah, he's a, a massive uh, Newcastle United fan, and I, not that I'm massively into football, but I would have grown up a Newcastle United fan because my dad was born you did. there. Yeah, oh, my dad is born in Newcastle, so that's wow. my that's if I if I have a team, it's 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 Newcastle. Um, so you know, I, when I was big into football when I was when I was a kid, like Shearer was still playing for Newcastle, and so I remember a time when he was an icon. Um, but they have Sam sat down to kind of just do this little 
interview or something, uh, some excuse to get him there, and in comes Shearer and just sneaks up behind him, and Sam just has a meltdown. Uh, oh my! You know, so the, you can really just see that yeah, kind of. Yeah. He's just a kid, like so. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I right, think there we are. Good shout. Michal, That's a great shout. Yeah, well, Michal, we hope you're happy with that. Um, we, we miss me all today, lads. Yeah, I don't. You don't. Yeah, you can miss him. If I did because I yeah. just I I feel like I have all this pent up. <laughs> abuse that I I just haven't got a chance to release today. Yeah. No, we miss him dearly. We miss him dearly. And uh, Michal, we hope you're ha- happy with the answers to, to your question. Um, our guest uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, if he keeps going the way he's going, you never know. He might be playing Slane in a few years. He's released a cracking song and uh, he's loads more in the pipeline. Um, we can't wait to talk to him. He's got a brilliant story. And he tells brilliant stories. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here is Mr. Tabby Callahan. Oh, I see. Oh, that's so good. That's great. I fucking love chess. We're sitting here with two phones playing <laughs> online chess. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than having a board to play, like, yeah, I know up to space, back down. We did that with Scrabble. Nobody has a Scrabble board. It's a, the word yeah. game. You don't have fucking <laughs> yeah. words with friends. Oh. <laughs> it drive you. I drive you it's mad, so like. addictive, though. And so I've one friend that he's the worst part of it is he's not particularly academically intelligent, <laughs> but he always finds these fucking words, man. <laughs> And I'm like, that's not a word. It is a word. Like, <laughs> technically, it's a word. You know what I mean? You know what yeah, they yeah. call? You know what they call somebody who's not maybe so academically intelligent, but still will pull out words like that? Mm. A cheater. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's googling. No, he's like using that. some Scrabble word well, finder. Uh, no, I used to watch him, man. I used to watch him for fucking. You know, I used to, I used to be looking to see if he was at it. He, like he would just. I don't know what it is, man. Like he would just fucking come up with these words and I'm like that's not a fucking word and then you'd find it somewhere that technically it is a word you know <laughs> he bet me every time the bastard <laughs> four words in the English language that end in the letters D-O-U-S D-O-U-S we had a we had a uh, we're on the bus with the Sligo team once and someone threw out this question and this Dutz tr- with, uh, ends with the word Dutz Dutz Dutz, Dutz. Dutz. D-O-U-S Arduous Scandalous Scandalous No it's L-O-U-S what is the words? What's the letters? D O U S. D O U S. Industrious. No. In- yeah, I know. I, yeah, it's hard to get them. There's three. There's three you'll get. Once you get one, you get three. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. So the first Dust. one is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you tremendous. Tremendous. Okay. Tremendous. Stupendous. Stupendous. Horrendous. Horrendous. There's the three, yeah, yeah. right? And we were the whole way up the bus, whole way up to Dublin with the Sligo team. Uh, trying to get the fourth word for for Stupendous. like hours. Stupendous. We kept that. I know Luke. I'll, I'll come back to it at the end of the interview, maybe, and we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so tell you, they're going to be able to think about nothing else. Now. <laughs> anyway, this fella from Eastern Harps, you you wouldn't have just put more ignoring what you were saying. You wouldn't have put him as an academic, intelligent fella, and just as we're pulling in, into into the hotel in Dublin, he comes out with it. Hazardous, hazardous. Delighted with himself. I mean, everybody else moved on from it ages <laughs> yeah, ago, and then there's just yeah. one person grinding. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. whole journey. I'm going to get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too tired for pints or anything. Just have to go straight to sleep. Like my brain is fucking. Wrecked. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking of these words all day. <laughs> Tabby Callahan, you are welcome to in the lamplight. 
Thanks very much. I, I didn't realise we were recording. <laughs> okay. It's a, good thing. I mean, it's a good thing I didn't say shit, isn't it? <laughs> Luke, yeah, I'm trying to... Or the to name of your friend who bet you so many times. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. Wayne Kelly, and I still I still think he was Googling it. <laughs> I think he had a little secret phone or something, a work phone, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, great to have you out here, man. Yeah, great to um, be here. I want to just, uh, just for a minute talk about where I first came across you, because we'd be similar age, and yeah. I was a... Uh, a teenager in Sligo dreaming of maybe possibly someday even being in a band. And ra- meanwhile, around the place, there was this young Tavi Callahan fella in Petronella. Yeah. Oh rocking gosh. the journey, man. And oh, a yeah. few other places around the town. Yeah. Hang- hanging out of the, uh, the central, uh, I don't know what, a structural beam that used I- to be in the, directly in the middle of the stage. Yes. Remember that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. gosh, I used to hang out of that thing. Yeah. You know, when you're like, when you're 18, yeah. You're just fearless. Yeah. Right now, I wouldn't lean against it now. <laughs> I get a bad back. Yeah. For, for yeah. the younger uh, among us, where was the journeyman? Journeyman is where Gracie's is now. It's where Gracie's, Gracie's is now. It was okay. Dan McHugh's and now it's Gracie's. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was, uh, yeah. It was actually uh, an acoustic piano in the journeyman. I played a couple of little half hour gigs up there at one stage. That was the place for gigs at the time. Yeah. 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 And, uh, the journeyman is a class name for a pub. Yeah. Someone needs to bring that back, whoever's going to take over some of the pubs in Sligo. The journeyman. What are your memories of those days, Tabby? Oh, gosh, my memories of those days. uh, One thing sticks out in particular, spending half half my life in the photocopying shop, getting posters done, (laughs) and then going around and just sticking them up everywhere. And like, I mean, some of the first Petronella ones were, gosh, they'd be art pieces now. I mean, they were like more or less hand, hand done. You know, we would draw them out and... I was just so proud of myself, you know what I mean? Having yeah. these posters, like, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. everywhere I'd meet, I would be like a politician, you know, see you at the gig Friday, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> now, if all the people that had promised me to come to the gig actually came, I, it'd be like, I'd need the showgrounds, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There were good days, like, you know? And of course, it's all pre-internet and pre-phones and pre-all that stuff, so... Uh, yeah, that was it. Most of the time, just being industrious, going around pestering people for gigs or some kind of thing I'd be up to trying to get sponsorship for a single or... Because this was your own music you were doing at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was my own music. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, we did a few covers, but I mean, at that time, you know, we were, you know, Petronella was a kind of a... It's a kind of a self-made entity. Like, you know, we started off as most bands did at that time. We were doing the circuit around the country. You'd be in Eamon Doran's or you'd be in... Then you'd work your way up to Whelan's, you know, and then if, you know, you might get a gig down in Limerick, or in Dolan's Warehouse or then, you know, and uh, it was a lot of that and just kind of, yeah, just working our way up, recording our own stuff at that time. we used, uh, Everyone used to go to Jam Studios in Kells at that time. Kells and Mead? James and Martin, James and Martin Quinn, yeah. Right. Two uh, really sound lads, great lads, ran a great studio. Even back then, back, back in that time, the studio was great. And um, yeah, so we used to just be, you know, just trying to build it up and then we we done a couple of uh, competitions and um, hot press competitions and then you know Heineken Green Energy was around at that time that was a kind of a competition stroke festival and you know of course then I wore flares that were like circus tents you know <laughs> and uh, flowery shirts and all kinds of ridiculous stuff and uh and uh, yeah, and that was kind of the thing. And, you know, we were building a way up and then we had a couple of, you know, singles that did quite well. They charted and, you know, look, at that time, it was kind of a different model. You really had to put the legwork in yeah. to get singles to, to happen. You know, um, you were doing a lot of traveling. Then you were going around 
Uh, here's an old insider industry secret, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. So how most bands got their singles done was you would get on to the music shop and you would get them to give you what was called clicks. Okay? Now, that would mean basically you would make friends with Mary in the music shop in Longford, you know, and you'd be phoning her. Ara, Mary, how are things? How's Paddy doing? How's the, how's the foot? You know, build up a rapport with them. <laughs> and then you're hoping that they'd give you 20 extra clicks on the single, you know? And um, so this is how the charts were calculated. Yeah, but it was yeah, by clicks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But even at that time, still though, there was still a very, it's still very clicky though, because I knew Louis Walsh was doing that with his bands, but he was getting thousands of them, right? And his clicks would be allowed to go through. Yeah. But yours wouldn't. Like yeah. if you had, you know, got. 200 clicks in a shop they'd be going there's no way they got 200 clicks in that shop so I wouldn't give it to you they wouldn't give it to you but Louis Walsh was able to get them you know right that's, right right, right. <laughs> that's the nature of these things yeah you know? sure sure Mind okay is right and all that so speaking of uh, speaking of Louis Walsh Tabby and I don't want to spend too long on this um, uh, because it's a story you've told many of the time but the part I'm interested in is how 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 you how you entered the X Factor, or where did it come across your radar, or what? What? Speaking it, of Louis Walsh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, around that time, Westlife were obviously massive, and you know, I'd see the lads about, and in many ways, you know, I, I I'd be kind of because I obviously went to school with Kean and Shane and that and Mark and that, and I'd, I would have known the lads pretty much most of my life, and they were a kind of obviously they were in a different, totally different music to me. But they were still inspirational in the sense that they had managed to do, to become an international success, you know. So I would be kind of, every time I'd be keying out in, in Xanadu's, as yeah. used to call it, yeah, Xanadu's, yeah, yeah. I'd be annoying him, like, you know, any chance of, you know, a support slot or any chance of this or that. And one time he landed down at my house and he said, how would you like to support Tom Jones? And I was like, what? Yeah. So we, as Petronella, went and supported Tom Jones and that was amazing. And then from that... Where was that? Uh, in the RDS. Oh, lovely. And that was thanks to Kean. I have yeah. to give that to him. Yeah. And um, that I met Louis through that. And, you know, I, look, I met him a few times over the years, kind of at different, you know, he'd be turning up at different events. And and then he had, I met him one time and he said, there's a competition coming up for bands really soon. And he said, this is going to be different. Like, <laughs> you know, the whole blinky eye thing. This is going to be different. <laughs> and, I, and so we were like, okay, grand, let's go for that and see what happens. Of course, we landed up with a transit van full of gear, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what we looked like at all. <laughs> we arrived up then and then, you know, you started to look around and it started, I started to get that feeling then. I was like, oh, this is a bit modelly looking because there's all these kind of like, at that time, you know, the boy bandy, all kind of slick hair and all tanned and, you know, yeah, yeah. well, you know. Yeah. So I remember thinking like, oh, sh- you know, what are we doing here? Like. So we were there, we paid for, like extortionate parking in Dublin to do it. So we were like, well, we paid this parking, so we may as well go in and do it. And um, and we went in then, we just went for the audition. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen, now what X Factor make it look like, we went in as a band, they asked me to come in by myself and then I dumped the band. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we went in as a band, didn't work out, they weren't really interested in the band. But then when I went out, then Sharon had asked for me to come back in. I said, look, will you, will you come back in yourself? It's not really, we're not looking for the, the band thing in this situation. So then I went away with the lads for a couple hours and I was like, what do you think I should do? And they were like, oh, look, you may as well do it because uh, sure, look, if it works out for you, it could be good for everybody. So I was like, grand. And I went in and did it. And uh, yeah, the rest is history, yeah, as I say, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Great. But 
I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Go on. Many Second one of the day, lads. We're on two yes. already. <laughs> this is an exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> when I went and did X Factor, yeah. okay, I did the audition, the first one, which everyone's seen on telly. And then I got a call a week later or something, if I remember correctly, maybe a week or two later, from Sharon Osbourne's personal assistant, who said, whose exact words were, because I was giving my son Elon a bath at the time, and she said, are you sitting down? And I was like, uh, yeah, 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 well, I said, I'm sitting on the toilet. Because <laughs> that's the only place to sit. And uh, she said, Sharon wants you to come over to LA tomorrow. And I am like, what? Now, I hadn't even really gone through the show at this stage. Flew me over to Los Angeles, upper class. On that flight, I got drunk with the Gallagher's from Oasis and Lemmy from Motorhead. Oh, yeah. Ended up getting into a huge row with Liam Gallagher <laughs> on the, on the, uh, at the, the upper class bar or whatever. Yeah. Um, drank myself drunk and sober twice because it was like a 12-hour flight yeah. or something. Yeah. Landed in Los Angeles, got brought to the Osbournes house where they filmed the Osbournes. Someone was getting power hosed at that time at the gate because that's what they used to do. Someone these, was getting power hosed. Yeah, well, the yeah. metalers would turn up. And they would hit the power holes and soak them. And that was a kind of a badge of honor for them. And I'm like, I'm looking going, what the f-? Like, it was just so weird. And anyway, I go into the house. It's mansion of a house. Of course, I'm still in suspended animation. I can't actually believe all this is happening. You know, um, I'm standing in the kitchen. I go tap on the shoulder. I turn around. It's Ozzy Osbourne. He goes, oh, nice to meet you, Tommy. Uh, gives me a big hug. I'm like freaking out I can't but like is this real I, like, I'm standing in the kitchen that I used to watch on MTV yeah. with the Osbournes and yeah. I'm going how is any of this real yeah. yesterday the day before yesterday I was over in the fucking in the dole office signing on <laughs> yeah. Yeah. now I'm in Los Angeles yeah. that's mental yeah. <laughs> and anyway so yeah I'm there and uh, gives me a big hug brings me in he says do you want to hear the album that I'm working on so I'm like yeah hello brings me into this beautiful big sitting room with a big listening system and he puts on all these new songs he's working on uh, of course I was totally blown away and later on that day actually it's, it's, it's funny because when I met Oasis on the plane they were on the way over to record Standing on the Shoulder of Giants and they were recording it in Capital Capital Records and that's where Ozzy was recording his album too which was just coincidental so I end up going there and the first person I met in, I got, they brought me down to Capitol when Ozzy was recording and the first person I met is like, I meet the drummer from Alice in Chains. He's just sitting there on a chair. Mm. I walk in just as casual as you're sitting there. Mm. Of course, I'm pretending to be all blasé about it. Oh, nice to meet you. How are you keeping? You know, inside I'm going, I can't fucking believe this. <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> my friends just like, well, you know, this was happening. You know, this is what's going on inside. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was crazy. Anyway, yeah. later on that day, I went to the event that I was brought over for, which was to have breakfast with Sharon. Had eggs with her. Went out later on that night with Jack and Kelly. Brought me to a nightclub called Concord. Met Malcolm in the middle. Met all these <laughs> crazy celebrities. Got pissed with them. Excuse my language. <laughs> brought back to the hotel. Next day, I got brought down to the Osborne's office. Met all the staff. Was put on a flight. Went home, heard nothing for two weeks. Then I got a letter to say, come over for the auditions that they're starting now. So I was, that's kind of... Brilliant. How, yeah. And by the way, I'm leaving out a ton of stuff yeah. because I have to. <laughs> Do you remember what the, the fight with Liam Gallagher was about? <laughs> well, he had... It started, you see, I was sitting there, right? And I was like, in, in the virgin upper class 
seating. It's like from, it's basically, in fact, it's about the size of this room. Maybe a little longer, but it's it's about the width of this room, okay? So Liam Have you dimensions, Luke, for the, for the listeners? Uh, I don't, but I suppose maybe for the listeners at home, it's the size of like a reasonably proportioned sitting room. Would that be fair? 12 foot by 12 foot. <laughs> Let's say it's that. So Liam Gallagher sitting where you are, which is about four feet from me. Uh, when I got on the flight, I look over and I notice the same Gallagher. Now, I, now you have to understand too. I was already in shock from the fact that I had champagne in my seat and I had a bed for a yeah, seat yeah, with a with yeah. a with a flat screen. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm waiting for Jeremy Beetle to jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all uh, you know. And anyway, I notice him there. And next thing, I he must have caught me looking over, and then he he looks over at me and he goes, "You're not going to believe this." He goes. Hey, are you Tabby? <laughs> and I'm like, what the? F-? And I was like, uh, yeah. I was like, uh, are you Liam? <laughs> of course he's Liam. And he was saying, oh, yeah, my wife's been watching you on the telly and yeah, good luck and all that. And that all, that's how it started. Yeah. Of course, we progressed to the bar then. Yeah. The drinks came in then. And then he started having to go at me about doing the X Factor. Yeah, why are you doing a poxy show like that? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're a musician. Why are you doing that? <laughs> I could sit at a table with John Lennon and hold my head up. And I was like, right, that's the name. Yeah, but you know, you're lucky, man. You got a break. Like, you know, I've been slogging away for years. I think, you know, it's where I live. It's very hard to get breaks. I don't care, man. I could write, you know, songs like John Lennon. And I was like, okay, well, if you're going to be like that, how many of the hits did you write for Oasis? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> boom. <laughs> I, I wrote hits for Oasis. Like, name them. <laughs> and then his mates, his mates, oh, actually, what the guitar player, I think, turned around and goes, like, don't be such a wanker, Liam. <laughs> That's what he said. Excuse my language. You know, just, just shut up. Yeah, yeah, one of them yeah, said yeah. to him. Uh, anyway. We argued a little more and then we'd be, you know, we were laughing then after that and then arguing and laughing. And, and <laughs> But it was so crazy because in the middle of all this then, Lemmy from Motorhead walks up. And I'm like, this cannot be... I must have taken mushrooms or something. Or someone must have slipped them into my tea or something. Yeah, and the world was a, the world was a far bigger place then. Yeah, now, well, yeah, Now, because of the internet... We, we feel like we know so much more about these people and about these places. Mm-hmm. And then, also the fact that, like, now somebody else would be sitting there and they'd be going, there's that guy that's on the X Factor and he's arguing with Liam from Oasis and they'd have the phone out and they'd have filmed the whole thing and the second place that land, second that plane landed, it'd been posted online and everybody, like... Yeah, yeah. 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 And everything is instant. Yeah. An instant thing. And actually, you know, to speak about it, slightly philosophically here, I, I often think to myself sometimes, I wish I had a video with me and that I captured all this stuff. But then in another way, I, I realise, no, actually, I don't. Because I'm glad I was there and in the moment and present. Hmm. It's in here, yeah. in my mind, and I know I was there. Yeah. You know, I know I'll tell happened. you, that you're 10 years older than me, right? And there's a couple of periods of time that I wasn't around for. Well, I was around for it, but possibly not old enough for the X Factor thing to be old enough to understand like I do now what was happening for people. But if you look at the era of Fleetwood Mac, whatever, I look at their era and I go, man, that must have been unbelievable. Into hotels, like writing songs with loads of bands in these hotels. Like you look at Woodstock, for example, and the thing, you go, that was unbelievable. There's another time that does that to me. And it's that kind of time in Sligo. Because you had Tabby Callahan killing it. You had... Conway sisters close enough to that time as well. We had the Westlife boys were some of the biggest 
bands in the in the world. At mm. one point in my childhood in Sligo, it seemed like everyone in Sligo was famous. You know, yeah. like we came from a famous town and everyone <laughs> yeah. was talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, geez, what's happening down in Sligo? Yeah. That little corner town yeah. in Ireland and it's producing superstars. I remember that. Yeah. And I look back and I'm glad you didn't have a phone and I'm glad that there was, it wasn't recorded mm. because it had put a real tent on it. You know, because these things aren't as glamorous as we can make them in our head. But for me, in my head, it's like that was, in my childhood in Sligo was all about the prospect of being a superstar like you or like any of the other guys. It was unbelievable. Yeah, you know? so there's a kind of an era of mysticism about it because, you know, right now, I mean, you can count the hair on most people's legs now. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Because everything is so insular and so, you know, there's just way too much information and no mystery left. Yes. And, you know, now, like, I've often kind of told a few of the stories, but there's like 10 trillion, 454 million of them. I don't even remember. I'd have to sit and think about them, you know. Hmm. But that there is like, what I'm telling you there is 100% true. Great. It's a fact. Great. So um, the next thing I'd love to chat to you about, Tabby, is, uh, right, you've told us, you've given us a glimpse into this world, mm -hmm. this crazy world of X Factor, mm -hmm. meeting Liam Gallagher, many, Lemmy from Motorhead, the Osbournes, the whole lot. Uh, the next point that I came across you was probably, I'm guessing, the guts of 10 years after that. It was probably mm. like 2011, 2012, around mm. that sort of time. Um, and this this was not your world anymore. No. You were now in, in Sligo. Back in the real world. <laughs> Back in the real world. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've made a career for yourself as a gigging musician in this locality. Mm. Um, what was that transition like for you? Uh, it was, well, you know, I had, I'd been gigging... I'd been over in Spain for a while before that too. Um, I just went over for a little while just because I needed a break because I was living in Scotland for a while. I was working with a, a kind of a label there. And then I was in England for a while. I was working with a label there. And then I just got really tired of the music industry. I just got tired of... It's, it's, it's very wearing. It's wearing, you mm. know. And I found myself... I was doing all this stuff. I was doing... I'd be on TV. I was still on TV a lot. Years and years after X Factor, right? Here's a little one not, not many people know. I did a cameo as myself in Hollyoaks. <laughs> nice. A lot of people know that. That's <laughs> 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 special. Oh, yeah? I appeared as Tabby Callahan in it. Yeah. And the whole plot was, this guy's entering a competition. I walk in the door, he's raging. Because yeah. I'm going to enter the competition too. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a wee kissy-wissy at the end with some hot girl in the bar and, you yeah. know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it's funny, yeah. like, you know, yeah. but, yeah. like, I had done all this mad stuff. But the one thing I wasn't doing was what I wanted to do, which was play. I wanted to play. I wanted to be, I wanted to be working and playing all the time. And, and I found as well that, you know, initially, okay, when you're in a celebrity world, it, it's a kind of ironic, right? And this may be one of the maladies of our world that when you're a celebrity and you're famous, you don't have to pay for anything. Everyone wants to give you stuff for free, you know? <laughs> like, and that was kind of bizarre because I was getting all this stuff, like, you know, all these cool stuff and it was great. It was lovely when it was happening, right? But I didn't really make much money at that time. And then, so I'm like, okay, I've got two kids now. I have to support them. So I had to... In fact, you know what? I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the real story here. Okay, here we it go. It was about 2000, and it was around the time frame you were talking about, actually. Yeah. And I remember it because myself and Anna were broke as a joke, really broke, no money, 
there was nothing happening. All of the all of the the bullshit stories about this thing in the pipeline and that other thing. I just got exhausted with it. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to. This was a big thing for me to have to do. I had I went into town near Christmas at one time, and I, like I had to swallow my pride and go in and ask for pub gigs. Mm. And that was the, I won't lie to you. That was a kick in the balls to have to do that. Okay. So I remember going into Fiddlers and he's looking at me. He can't understand. Fergal can't understand. What's this guy doing here looking for? This is, you could see it in his eyes. Like, this isn't right. But I was in Sligo. This is where I was. I had to work. I had to support my family. So he goes, look, Tabby, I, I feel terrible. I don't have any gigs at the moment. He said, we're booked up. So I went around to a few places. And there was It was too late in the season to get gigs. And I remember I tried one last place. And I was up in Mooney's beside the showgrounds. And it was around the time of the ice and snow. It was really bad ice and snow. And I'm walking yeah, up at, yeah, you yeah. know, half a mile an hour. Yeah, yeah. Trying to make sure I don't bust myself. Those winters, yeah, yeah. And as I'm walking up the road past the showgrounds, right, this is as true as God, there was an electric box uh, at where Rose Hill is. And I sat down for a minute and I just had this kind of deep metaphorical moment where I actually, because I, I have a very strong faith in God. And I remember I, at that time I was praying, I was like, God, could you give me some kind of a sign that that I'm doing the right thing or that I'm doing what I should be doing or I knew I sh- I knew I was doing the honourable thing by trying to get working again and but I was like can you give me a sign and just as I prayed this at this exact moment I see this massive I think it's like a Mercedes or a BMW coming towards me and just like could you give me a sign and who was it but Shane Filan drives by right the car hits a bit of ice and it flies up and hits me in the face mm. <laughs> That's a true story, right? <laughs> nice. Now, you know what I did at that point? I bust my arse out laughing. Yeah. Because there was nothing else to do at that point. I'd ask God for a sign. He yeah. drives by, ice flies up, hits me in the face. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I proceeded on up to Mooney's and I he gave me some gigs, right? And that is kind of where I kind of entered back into the real world again. So I started doing a few gigs there. Now, I, you know... I was trying to figure out songs and set lists and that and come back to fucking to earth. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I started there and then I, you know, started doing a couple of gigs in Fiddlers then and then I met with the boys, Sean and the lads and then I kind of got in with them and I was doing some bits with them and then I was kind of doing gigs here and there. Now, I, I was still doing a lot of big stuff. Around this time I went over to England. I did, I think it was like, let me see what it was. It was six, something like 40 shows, right, with the Young Voices. That was six nights at the O2 Arena in London. Six nights at the Manchester Arena, six nights at the Birmingham NEC, six nights at the was it Birmingham, Manchester, London, and Newcastle, I think as well it was there. You're talking 20,000 people a night. Hmm. Now, I was just a kind of a, an, a, a, a guest there with them, but it was a cool thing to do, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't like big money or anything. It was just more of a an opportunity, you know, you know. So that's the way my career was. I was still getting all these amazing opportunities, but... I was still having to work and play and gig. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how it happened, Karen. And then, you know... And I, you said, you said, Tabby, sorry, you said you had to swallow your pride, you know, oh, and yeah. I, I understand that. Was, like, was that a tricky time for you? Or was... Very, you, uh, very... That time is what defined me and, and made me who I am. And that's why, like, I am... I have always kind of... Uh, I, uh, because just the way I was reared, I've always had a humble attitude. I, I'm kind of lucky like that. I didn't... I, I've had friends who've had brushes with celebrity and thought they were going to make it and they turned into arseholes and then they just fell from grace and just had a terrible fall 
and they look like morons. I was lucky like that. It never went to my head. I was never deluded. I never believed in any of the rubbish that was written about me. So I was kind of lucky in that sense. But at the same time, still, it was a hard pill to swallow because you have to understand, you know, I would walk through Heathrow Airport. I would spend an hour taking photos and signing autographs. I would walk down any street anywhere in the UK. And that's the way it was with me. I would mm. walk through London. That's mm. the way it was. I couldn't get through London. Yet here I am. I'm back in Sligo, tail between my legs, huge thing I've done. Back, you see, when you come down from that, you don't just come down to ground, you go subterranean. Mm. Okay? Mm. This is all part of the hero's journey. The hero's journey is where you reach a huge height, okay? Then you not only come back down to earth, but you go underground, right? And then you work your way up from underground. Hopefully, by the time you, you reach ground level, you, you become broken, you stay that way for a while, and then you rebuild yourself. And hopefully what comes up, the rebuilt man is a better man than the one before. So that's kind of been the, the journey for me in that sense, you know. Um, and so, yeah, the pride thing was, you know, mm. that was, uh, was a hard pit. Now, I had a few years there where it, it had a probably a hard effect on my mental health, you know what I mean? Because I was very depressed for a lot of years because I was having to keep up this front. Sure. Oh, big things in the pipeline. Huge things happening. Yeah. And just one day, yeah. I got in a taxi and a guy says to me, Eric Tabby, how are things? How's the music going? Is it right and big? And I was about to launch into the bullshit speech and then I went, to be quite honest with you, and excuse my French, I said, not a fucking thing. There's nothing happening. And he went, ah, oh, fair enough. That'll be six euro. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. the end of the conversation. He didn't even yeah. inquire, you know. Yeah. So I think around that time then, that was, you know, the, the kind of rebuilding uh, of myself as just a, as a human being, I suppose, you know, but. You've yeah. touched on something there. My favourite poem in, in the world is um, a poem by F by, Ro a, a poem called F by Roger Kipling. Oh, yeah. And in the middle of that poem, he says, <clears throat> it's poem is all about becoming a man, you know, and, and how to be a man and how to be your own man mm -hmm. and how to to take life's challenges and to see them as stepping. So you said like it's the formation of who you are as a person today mm. is going through these trials and tribulations and how you go from the extreme heights to the extreme lows and build yourself back up. And mm. his phrase in the middle of the poem, he says, <clears throat> if you can see the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them back up with worn out tools. Oh, that's yeah. what that sounds That's like. the beauty of it. I know that, that yeah, part of the yeah. poem, yeah. Well, look, a lot of people at that time who done similar things I remember little Chris, you know, he ended up uh, committing suicide, you know, and there was a lot of people that ended up drug addicts, alcoholics, just terrible stories, you know. And I always maintained that it was kind of my Christian faith that sustained me through that because suddenly then you're coming face to face with yourself in the darkest, deepest, darkest. Uh, not a lot of people go there, mm. but I went there, you know, and I kind of came back the other side and kind of realizing then that, okay, you know, life is not a destination, it's a journey. And it gave me then, I think as well, it gave me a perspective of compassion. Then I'm able to understand where people are coming from and not get deluded by any nonsense, you know. Yeah, yeah, See yeah. things for what's important, you know yeah, what I mean? Great. Because those things are fleeting. Yeah, yeah. But to yeah, be working, yeah. to be meeting people along the journey, to be making friends with people who are good at their craft, to have a mutual respect in a relationship and friends. I mean, that's real. That's actually real success. That's the real stuff. And actually, you stay healthy. <laughs> you don't become an alcoholic or a drug addict. Yeah. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's that's real success, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, 
The last thing I want to talk to you about, and I've no problem spending a bit of time on this because I love it, is your another sort of transition for you, I suppose, because um, you have recently released your first single. Yes. Um, but I know, because uh, I've been in Tabby Road plenty over the years. <laughs> Tabby have, have, Road. Uh, <laughs> have I have to give you the name, name is anything. The studio may be shit, but the name is great. <laughs> I love that name. Yeah. I've uh, had the pleasure of being in there with you a few times, and, and that must be six or seven years ago, and I've heard loads of your songs mm-hmm. um, over the years, and... You know, finally now in in it's the middle of twenty twenty three, mm-hmm. and you, you've you've released one. Yeah, what finally. was what was that? What was that that whole? I guess because I guess for me, when I'm hearing you talking about the hero's journey, and you, you're high and you go down underground, you build yourself back up. This is the next phase for you. I feel in that you're certainly in your career, in yeah. that you're you, you now have this identity and you've music that's really challenging you and that's that you're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about how all that happened for well, you? Well, just. Uh, over the last, I think, 10 years, uh, I, you know, I'd have a belief in that kind of, I would have a belief in serendipity. Like, and for me, like, for instance, I came across, I remember a good couple of years ago, I came across this footage of my great granddad, right? My great granddad was Joe Nealon, right? And Joe McGowan, the writer, has written a lot about my great grandfather, actually. He was one of the last native Gaelic speakers in Sligo. He used to be up and down on Radio Telefish here and he married an islander from Inish Murray. He was an ex- staunch Gael, you know. And funny enough, I didn't know anything about this at the time about him. But I was starting to find out that so was I, <laughs> you know. And then suddenly when I realised who he was and what he was, I was like, Shit, this all makes perfect sense. Mm. And so the next thing, I just find myself getting drawn towards kind of the Irish story and Irish culture and identity and art and history and all the whole stuff, you know. And um, and then it just kind of gave me a renewed passion because I got so bored with rock music because I've been doing rock for years, rock and pop and, you know, all that stuff. And I got kind of bored. I just got bored with the whole cycle of it. And... When, when the Irish thing emerged, suddenly I'm like, oh gosh, this is really exciting for me. So that's kind of what's brought me down the road, Karen, of exploring that and exploring. And then I just kind of figured out, I was like, actually, I think I might have a bit of an act for this, you know. Um, and of course, I, I would feel as I feel like an outsider because I, I, I didn't grow up playing in trad sessions or that. But in a way, I feel that gives me, uh, actually, it gives me an advantage because I'm not chained to chain to the orthodoxy. So I'm coming in with bits and pieces of it and trying to come up with my own thing. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at, Karen. And I'm just, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing stuff now. I have a whole lot of stuff written. I'm trying to get it finished, but it's hard, as Luke will testify, it's hard to be a, a producer, a writer, a musician, an engineer, all that stuff. It's it's, it's really hard. Yeah, but I've, I mean, in fairness, I've also spent a bit of time in Tabby Road and, and like you've, sh- you've gone through Oh, let's show you this one. Oh, I'll show you this one. Oh, here's this one. Oh, yeah, this one. And you've just shown me these, like, reams and reams of... It could be a 30-second sketch. It could be a fully formed song. And you've got so much stuff down that's great. And it's not all the Irish folk. You've got some, like, very princey kind of stuff in there. Massive amounts of songs that you haven't finished or... I'm the 99.9% girl. You know, <laughs> maybe you find it hard to get over that hump and just like, just make the decision that that's finished now. And I it do. is hard to let your baby out into the world, you well, know? Because when it's not finished, you see, this is the thing. What is it? Perfectionism is the enemy of great. Because when it's not finished, it's got infinite potential. 
okay? But that's probably connected from probably a couple of my failures after X Factor, things not working out and feeling humiliated from it. So there's probably, I think there was a subconscious sense of like, I, I can't finish anything because I can't go through that again. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So yeah. this single was very cathartic in that sense because it was like, I had a friend who came back into my life at that time, Speedy, and Speedy was my tour manager when I was on X Factor. So he was there throughout the whole thing when I was doing big tours in England. Suddenly then he appears in my life again. And the next thing I know, I've finished my first single. He was kind of nudging me, get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. It was kind of just that kind of encouragement, you know. So I got that done and yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's phase one. Now we're getting ready to move on to phase two, which is going to be the next single. And I'm gonna I'm gonna release a whole load of it. I've got I've I've got plans. It's not just gonna be music. I'm gonna be speaking to people. My, my main interest is I love Irish culture. Hmm. I've become super staunch about that and finding out all about that. And I think it's a really interesting story, and it's exciting for me. You know, because I've been out in the rock and roll world. I've seen that most of them are exactly the same, hmm. and most of the story begins and ends the same. Yeah. But I find the Irish stuff very fascinating. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm at yeah. now. And Luke's going to be playing with me now on the 1st of July at the Grange Festival. Uh, right. And that's kind of exciting for me. You know, I, I look, it's, this is a whole new journey. I'm learning as I go. I'm meeting some great musicians along the way. I'm going to try, like, I'm going to try and incorporate these people into what I'm doing. Hopefully, maybe do something with yourself, Karen. Anytime, you know, Anytime with, uh, yeah. And get something together. And yeah. um, and that's it. This is just the second it journey. It certainly seems the most buzzed I've seen you about something. I've known you for a few years now, and I've been playing with you and depping in with you sometimes, depping in for you sometimes. But I've known you for a few years now, and this is the most I remember seeing you buzz about something and motivated about something and really seeming to have a real energy and, and a love for this kind of new direction that you found for yourself. Yeah, I think it's, I think I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Maybe that's down to my faith again. That's just how I feel about it. That's the way I feel. I feel I was kind of guided into this and uh, it's exciting for me and I'm I'm learning stuff about me. I'm learning stuff about my family. I'm learning stuff about how that relates to Ireland and how Ireland relates to me and it's, 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 it's a good buzz. It's a nice place to be, isn't it? Mm. Feeling you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, well, you know, yeah. yeah. At least on some form of a path, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not to be a rudderless boat, but like, like as Luke said, I'm kind of, I'm buzzing about this. Yeah. Not to be a rudderless boat. That's a great phrase. I'm just excited to hear uh, new Sligo music because uh, with the downturn in the arts over the last three or four years, everyone's projects got curtailed. Mm. Everyone's projects got mm. derailed. And so it seems like we're only on the build out back up. And actually your single is the first one I remember of like, you know, somebody who has, who's been making music for a long time and doing music for, for, for their life, releasing something big back after this. So um, I wish you the very best with it. Thanks, Rory. Appreciate also, I love that. it. So can we play a bit of it? Uh, we do, we're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll give the whole song a play at the end of the episode, oh, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a great Happy track. Yeah. Happiness. Um, yeah. And it's nice that as well that you're, uh, you know, you're innovating as well with, with the music that you're making now. It's like, it's an evolution. It's, it's, I you know I'd say that it is to to Wolf Tones what maybe like something like the Foo Fighters is to Elvis Presley you know there's a progression it's still got rock in it but it's incorporating you know people can get kind of snobby about 
anything that's rooted in, in trad or folk and, you know, you'll get some aspects of the trad community there, which is like, you can't change that. No, just play that real straight down the middle, Kayleigh Band style. And then you've got a band like, like Moxie that's evolving things and changing things and making it interesting for a new generation and stuff. And I think you're doing a bit of that with your music as well at the moment. Thanks, yeah. Thanks, Luke. Well, like, my, I kind of have a vision for this, like, like I've gained a huge respect for like the like you know all the songwriters like who especially even with the Irish ballads and that you know listening to them over the last couple of years it's like wow I was only listening there earlier on to the town of love so well I can't stop singing it's in my mind but I'm like what a tune like what a song <laughs> or Grace <laughs> when first I saw you on the village green <laughs> give me a break that's unbelievable <laughs> that's <laughs> unbelievable right but the way I kind of feel now is I'm like well okay. These songs should be celebrated and played forever, right? But we can't keep going back the way. Irish people have got to start repping here and start doing something for the culture moving forward and start writing the new ballads of the future. And that's kind of where I'd like to be. I'd like to be, I'd like to be contributing to that if I could. That's a great point because that's the thing you talked about, about the trad community being, and I, I run the risk here of offending you know, the trad community here, but... Trad, you know, if you're going to play it straight down the middle all the time, you're going to lose your entire audience. Because over time, people are going to lose interest. It becomes old. It becomes, there's nothing innovative about it. Yeah. And, then, and then it just drops off into, into obscurity. If people take it by the balls and drive it forward, we get to hold on to it forever. Our kids get to hear little reels and little things like that. They won't, because in 2040, they will not be listening to it if we don't put some innovation behind it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's right, Tabby. I think get behind it and drive it forward. Well, you just got to try and just pick it up, like really. I mean, that's, that. I suppose the guys of today picked it up from the guys of yesterday who picked it up from the guys of the day before. And that's what we got to do, you know what I mean? And, uh... And I think it's important too because I think that the uh, the whole Irish thing is a, I think it's a visceral real thing. I think it's a very very unique thing and I think that look hey you know you maybe just one of those like it's not it's like not my style and stuff like I'm not really into that and stuff. I'm more like outward looking and stuff. You maybe one of those types whatever. I'm not. Okay, I'm not. Uh, I like that buzz. I like the Irish. I like the sound. I like the feel of it. I just want to try and contribute to it if I can and learn I'm learning all about it all the time. Uh, you know, like I said, I have a, I have a kind of an ancestral mission here as well because of my great granddad, and I kind of feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm on the right path here, and I'm just learning every day, and who knows, you know, who knows where it'll go. Brilliant, man, brilliant. Well, look, um, yeah, we all wish you the best of luck with it, Tabby. Uh, it's a great song. Thanks, Karen. We'd great crack on the team night doing it with you. Yeah, that with was the amazing. choir and the whole lot. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was and uh, I've heard it all over the place since uh, since it's come out. And as Luke says, we're going to close the show with it today. Um, so, Tabby Callan, thank you so much for coming in with us. Thanks very much, boys. Yeah. Cheers, everybody. Rory Maitland, what yes. are you going to recommend for us this week? Seriously, is that how we're coming back out from the interview? You can imagine that. You can imagine this as 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 if I've edited this, you know, podcast. What we're going to have is Tabby Callahan. Thanks for chatting us. Rory Maitland, what have you got for us this week? Just leaving the space for the jingle. So where even are we? Am I coming in now? Apparently. 
Look who's, re- look who's replaced my singing with the, the actual jingle. No, you've yeah. replaced my jingle with your singing. <laughs> oh, beautiful. And now well, Rory can't do his recommends because he's having a can make these, these important decisions. Excuse okay. me. Uh, right, Is, am I actually coming in now? No, i got to play the jingle. Okay, play Shut it. up. If your life is feeling grey Like a dull and cloudy day We can chase your blues away Roll and recommend you Something to defend you From the boredom that offends you Also fix your hairdo It's Rory Recommends Okay, so Rory Recommends this week I've been working for a couple of months on this one Whoa Um, I thought, I thought of recommending this months ago and then I thought, you know what? It I, needs more work. Yeah, I will give it more time uh, before I recommend it. Uh, and I was talking to Luke. Luke, you were recently on your holidays. I was on holiday. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Did you play plenty of chess? I played bucket loads of chess. Everybody that... My cousin, Mark, uh, brought over uh, a physical chess board uh, for any of the kids who don't know what that is and only ever play chess on chess.com. You may go and... And uh, look up where the physical chessboard is. I promise that's where it originates. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he brought over a physical chessboard, I think hoping that he might manage to convince one of us to like play a game of chess. I played chess years ago when I was a kid. I hadn't played in quite a long time. But uh, so me and Mark started to play a bit of chess. And I was kind of relearning and remembering things. And then the other three people that were on the holiday were watching us playing and going, Mm, that's, that looks kind of interesting. So why can you do that? And so why can you not? Oh, wow, yeah. And looking at the strategy, and then by the end of the holiday, everybody was just hooked on chess and taking it in turns to play chess. So, yeah, it was a great time. Quinter, do you like chess? I do, actually. I do. I haven't played in years, but uh, uh, we we had a holiday about three, four years ago, and there was a chess board in the Airbnb, and I spent... Uh, Many hours as well playing with Nixie, teaching Nixie how to teach my daughter how to play chess. Uh, I w- yeah, yeah. I would also like to do other stuff in my holidays, um, <laughs> apart from play chess. But uh, you know, I I, uh, I do I do. We like did it. do other stuff. Did we, you? Great. Yeah, yeah. Delighted we did. We 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 we, yeah. we drank a load of wine and okay, there was a fair amount of chess during that night too. We drank a load of wine and stayed up and then we jumped into the pool at six o'clock in the morning as the sun was coming up. Oh, that's very there good. Go. Yeah, that's good old crack. Okay, so that was both- an interesting. You, you just an interesting question you had for Luke there about asking him did he play chess in his holidays yeah so we're, it is leading somewhere I promise it is leading to a recommendation but I have to ask you another question do you right. like fighting fighting do you like fighting I mean I'm very passionate about some things and you know I will <laughs> if someone wants to fight me right now as to whether DJs should be allowed on the main stages of music festivals then I'm ready to go you have but a go. like yeah uh, Quinner do you like fighting as in arguing or... I know, physically fighting. Uh, can't say I've done all that much of it. Okay. Um, but uh, it wouldn't be something I'd particularly look forward to. No. I hope I can avoid it in, in, in future years. You'd okay, actively, well, there you'd is... You'd actively a... avoid it, you might say. You might say, indeed, Luke. <laughs> there is a sport that combines both of these things. Chiting. Chiting. <laughs> is it actually called chiting? No, it's no. not. It's called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now... Let me explain why I'm recommending this. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I've been doing it for seven or eight months. Which one? Seven or eight now? Probably eight. Closer to eight than it is to seven. And it is, without a doubt, for anyone out there who, you know, used to play football as a kid and then doesn't play football anymore, used to play tennis or used to do a lot of swimming or used to do a lot of running and needs a new sport or needs something different for themselves, I'm recommending Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've been doing it for eight, eight months 
<clears throat> and that is the way, that's the only way I can describe it. It's like fighting and playing chess at the same time. Because it's super strategic. No more than chess, you need to learn the rules. You need to understand... Um, you know, how how certain things, how you, you're the, all the pieces, imagine that, and how you move in a certain way and how you doing one thing allows somebody else to do something else, but them doing that something else will allow you to do something else until eventually you get your checkmate, which is a submission or you, you win the round. And the reason I, I, I recommend that now is that in three weeks' time at Atlantic Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, there is a six-week beginner course starting. And I thought I'd recommend it because it gives you three weeks to do a little bit of research on it. But when I say there's every type of person does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, from older men and women to to have a youth program for kids and every age in between, every fitness level in between, and everyone seems to find something out of it that they enjoy. And the thing is, it's super physical and you get a lot you get like a lot of fitness out of it and you get a lot your exercise out of it. But the really interesting part of it is that the fighting is actually secondary to the game of chess. Learning and that would be very strange for people, but it might be very interesting for people. But I was thinking, why don't the four of us do a private Brazilian jiu-jitsu lesson before next month's episode? How would you feel about that? Can we not just play chess? <laughs> we can't. <laughs> it's either Brazilian jiu-jitsu or it's nothing. <laughs> oh. Well, look. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, let's, let's see what Michal thinks. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we can talk about it now because Michal's not here. So we can't, we can't have a full discussion about it, you know. But sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm open to talking about it with Michal here in the future. <laughs> He's the biggest he's the For biggest the commitment I'll give the to that right now. That I was presented with there when I said, why don't we do a private Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu lesson? And two solid no's came across the room there. I'll get them, guys, I'll get them. I'll get, get, I'll get us to do it. If you arranged a lesson and said it's happening here, lads, and this time and this place, it might be more difficult for us to say no. Uh, yes. But yeah. how? Uh, but, but hey, we'll leave that to you, Rory. Thank sure. you for the recommendation. No worries. How would it be more difficult to say no? Well, maybe not for you, Luke. I just said no. no. I would appreciate the effort Rory put into that. And I say thanks very much for that, Rory. Not a hope. Okay, so this week's recommendation uh, is to have a look at that um, and see if you'd enjoy it because there, I can't think of anybody listening that wouldn't enjoy it in some in some form. Mm. But if you do like the sound of it, but not the physical violence aspect, I would highly recommend a little go on chess.com. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, um, we are going to wrap this episode up shortly. But first, uh, Luke, I have a question for you before oh. we finish. Yes, because I am aware that uh, between uh, today, when we're recording the episode, yeah. and when this episode is likely to go out, yeah, um, there's a big milestone in your life happening. There is, and uh, and Rory, if you if you're not aware, Luke is turning thirty. Oh yes, okay. Very in a few days, oh, I thought that's, what? that's the milestone. Was the way? Was there another milestone? Ah, just playing in Tavi's band at the music festival oh, thing okay. in Grange. You know, right. it's a massive life <laughs> milestone. Indeed, obviously, indeed, nice, nice, nice. But um, but yes, I mean, non-musical milestones. We're talking here now. Yeah. How 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 do you feel about turning thirty? Um, I'm feeling pretty twenty-nine about it. I have to say. Right. And uh, maybe after I feel thirty, I'll feel a little bit thirty about it. Mm. 
Yeah. But okay. Really, yeah. I just, I'm not. I don't do big. I don't do birthdays. Like obviously, I do birthdays. I have no choice. That's how time works. But I don't do. I don't really organize celebrations or parties or or anything. And you know, when maybe you have your birthday and somebody says. Wow, do you feel do you feel older now? Mm. And I, I'm like, I, I've always been like, shut up, that's a stupid question. Of course, I don't feel older now until I turned 25. And when I turned 25, I woke up that day and I went, oh God, I feel older. But I think it was just like the mental thing of no longer being in my early 20s. Yeah, see, it's everyone like, has a birthday like that. I'm, I'm, I'm over that hump now. I'm now in my late... 20s. I'm very firmly out of the college era of my life. But I don't feel no, I, mean, I don't you, feel you've just that been on a holiday where you drank wine and played chess all the time. Yeah. Like that's surely young man stuff. You oh, know, yeah. You're still you know? deeply rooted in being your in your young twenties. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, the reason I was asking this because I think everyone has I was talking to a few friends about this last night actually. And you know, one of the lads was, was at a 50th birthday party actually. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know, milestone birthdays and one of the lads actually mentioned his 25th. Another mentioned his 40th. Yeah. Um another mentioned his 18th. All saying, you know, this was the one where I felt old. Yeah, no, so for me, I think it was 25. 25 I don't feel yeah. like I've, I don't feel like I've got that coming at me down the tracks with this one. Yeah. If anything, I think this one, I think it'll be nice to be at the the lower end of the of the scale, lower end of the decade again. As in, you're in your early. 30s. I'm in my early thirties, which I think sounds a lot nicer than my late twenties. Mm, yes. Do you agree, right. Rory? Is someone in their early thirties? I think uh, the one that's going to kick me in the teeth is next year. I'm sorry, this year, thirty-one. Because at thirty, there's a lot of talk about it. Uh, you know, your parents talk to you, your friends talk to you about your like, podcast buddies, your podcast buddies. Yeah. Everyone brings it up. Yeah. You know, you're kind of well prepped. Everyone knows thirty's a big age to turn. You're well prepped for it. The thing about this birthday that's coming, thirty-one. That's the most blah birthday that you could ever have. You're just you're just in your thirties now. Yeah. Nobody's going to talk about it. You'll be lucky to get a card, and it's just it just goes downhill from there. I think I think I peaked at thirty, and now we're just slowly working our way back down. Yeah. <laughs> so enjoy, Luke. Enjoy your peak, Luke. Because <laughs> it won't last. Just listen to this man. <laughs> Thanks very much. And come here. Is that why you're growing a mullet? Yeah. Do you like it? Well. You know, all I'll say is that <laughs> Mullets and David Guetta have a lot in common. <laughs> Good luck, folks. Good, Good luck. luck. <laughs> On the bridge down by the back there where the Alphalas went to discuss the days in Cricklewood and the money that was spent. To the ringing of a pine class, there was sawdust on the floor. Oh, it's hard to be an angel when the devil's at your door. A row, row, row the boat. A row, row, row the boat. The school day in Espana with McQuiggan on the side. And we learn of Irish heroes, they were better men than I. How I have to stop and think about the way it was before. But it's hard to feel the feeling when you can't feel no more. Give me a hand. Never let your heart go Hot the way home.
was his name Yeah, I'm still in my hishmahori All of us did the same I have to stop to think about The way it was before But it's hard to catch a moving ship When you're standing on the shore I say, roll, roll, roll the boat Roll, roll, roll the boat As a young buck had a girlfriend Regina was her name And her father worked in the lumber yards And me, she was a dame I used to shift her at the shop And I walked her to her door But she moved away to Canada It was love no more 